I think at university we've had these two paths. One is about skills and knowledge, which would take you to university, and the other was training, which would take you to vocational education. That is clearly, patently, obviously wrong. Hello and welcome to KPMG's Talking Tertiary podcast, where we reimagine tertiary education for a changing world. I'm Stephen Parker, KPMG's education sector leader in Australia. During this podcast series, we'll be talking about the key issues facing tertiary education with some of the leading experts in the sector. The voice you heard at the start was that of Jan Owen. Jan is a social entrepreneur, innovator, influencer, author, and CEO at the Foundation for Young Australians. In this episode, I talked with her in Melbourne in November 2018 about the future of work and what it means for tertiary education. Here's the interview. So welcome, Jan, to Talking Tertiary. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me. In June 2018, the Foundation for Young Australians released a very interesting report, one of a number of interesting reports, I've got to say, that um, I've read from the Foundation, on the new work reality. And I'd like to focus a little on this and on what tertiary institutions and tertiary education and training can do to help with the new work reality for young Australians. So talk to me a little bit about this overall project before we dig a little deeper. Well, Stephen, we've been researching about the future of work and young people for about the last three years now. We started with a report called The New Work Order, and that was very much thinking about what is it that young people will be experiencing in the future of work and what should we be doing to think differently about how they are educated, prepared, equipped and inspired, I would say, for a different world, I guess. So, We've now produced six reports. It might even be seven reports in three years, so we're losing count. We've produced so many. And that has been this arc of this story. The first, as I said, was about the new work order. Then we looked at what the new basics were, so what were the things that employers were asking for. Then we looked at new clusters, so how could work be thought about differently if we looked at skills and capabilities. really enjoyed that. Yeah, and we looked at seven clusters in the Australian economy, And then finally, with a few more in between, we looked at the new work reality, as you have said, and that really was getting, I guess, away from kind of what's happening to, okay, so what do we need to be doing and what should we be doing now to change the way that learning is happening for young people and therefore what does that mean for the education systems? And I mean the entire education system. And let's also remember that we're thinking a lot about lifelong learning this story of we're going to need to learn, and not just lifelong learning as a kind of a nice idea, but as a reskilling, upskilling, retraining journey, what does that mean? So in this study, you followed the journey of 14,000 young people over a decade and came, I think, to the conclusion that half of Australia's 25-year-olds are unable to secure full-time employment despite 60% of them holding post-school qualifications. So this is clearly something that needs further investigation. You picked on what you thought were the most significant factors that might transition people into full-time employment. Um, 
One of them was about an education that builds enterprise skills. So clearly you don't think that the tertiary sector is doing enough. Well, again, this is about a whole-of-life journey as well. But in the new basics report, our second report in the New Work Order series, we went to the demand side and we looked at 4.6 million job advertisements in Australia to find out what employers were actually asking for at entry-level jobs. So that's people with less than five years' experience And it was remarkable to see, even over a small period of time, three years, how employers themselves changed in a period of time for what they were looking for. So we saw a very strong request for digital skills. We saw a very strong request for bilingual skills that kind of a proxy for cultural diversity. Can you work in diverse environments? Very strong focus on critical thinking, analytical skills, creativity, innovation, collaboration, and things like presentation and communication skills. And across those five, in three years, we saw at the top end, it was 200% increase in three years of requests, specific requests for these skills, right down to sort of, you know, 25% for presentation. So I think this started to tell us that on the demand side, there was a call out. And we know this, Stephen, because we've been sitting in meetings with whether it's Australian Chamber of Commerce or the BCA or just sitting with small employers as well, that there was an increasing conversation about we're not receiving the kind of graduates that we need. Okay. So let me think about this because I too read the various lists of enterprise skills or 21st century skills soft skills, social skills that people are calling for. Yeah, they do. And the lists, they're not all identical, but there's a lot of overlap Mm. between these Mm. lists. And then I put myself in the shoes of a tertiary education institution. You have to teach content as well. So people can't think critically about nothing Mm. and they can't communicate if they don't have something useful to say. So the balancing act of enough content, domain knowledge, if you like, with the ability to do things with that knowledge. That strikes me as being the really hard thing. I think you're 100% right. I think we've had a content-led curriculum, particularly in high school, for a very long time. And I think at university, we've had these two paths. One is about skills and knowledge, which would take you to university, and the other was training, which would take you to vocational education. That is clearly, patently, obviously wrong. So what we hear employers asking for, wherever people come from, is we need people who can do things with what they have learned. And so this is where we now, and, you know, one of the number or number two in our New Work Reality Report, really strong recommendation was this work-integrated learning. Whether at school, and it is best if it starts at school, where you're doing immersive hands-on learning, but it must follow through to this future tertiary education system, wherever it happens, must blend these two 20th century models, because that's what they are, where you took a path, it must blend them and say, actually, of course, we need knowledge and skills. And yes, we need training, but these must come together in work integrated learning. Well, we're in furious agreement to this point. KPMG's report on reimagining tertiary education was really about bringing it all together. People should be able to do a bit of everything. They should know things, be able to do things with what they know. Okay, so that was one of the significant factors that would help students, the enterprise skills. Another one was being able to undertake relevant paid work experience. Is that the work integrated learning that you've just been referring to? 
Yes. So we found that over 10 years with those 14,000 young people, and that was 15 to 25 years of age, if they had 5,000 hours of paid employment or employment that was reimbursed in some way, so it was meaningful work, it wasn't just doing random things, that that would absolutely accelerate by 12 months their access to work. So this is very important because it doesn't have to be 10 hours a week, which is what that rolls out to, although that's not bad, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be bad at all, but it was more about saying that you could also create internships or apprenticeships and you could chunk that up and actually see that over a course of 10 years you are having this engagement with the workplace so that you're avoiding that kind of future shock idea. And if there's one thing that we hear constantly from employers and young people, from young people it's I got into the workplace and you talk to them three years out of university and mostly they say, pretty much nothing that I learned at university am I utilising and I've had to relearn the kind of average shelf life of a university degree being two years. So there's many, many, many professions where they're saying that, except at the very highest end, whether you're a neurosurgeon or a, you know, which is very highly technical, right through to employers saying we've had to retrain. And that's been a new conversation because we've had to say to employers, yes, you're not going to get a fully formed, gift-wrapped, red-ribbon-bowed graduate who knows everything. You are going to also have to commit to the upskilling and the retraining. So I guess there's an expectations point as well on the employer's side. Absolutely. I guess also it's possible that people are drawing on what they learned in tertiary education. They're just not conscious of doing so. Well, you would hope that you were conscious, wouldn't you, that you were saying, yes, I did learn this at university and now I can see the application well, of it. I mean, it. things like the ability to reason and oh, to argue yeah. a point. Well, we call those enterprising skills, you know, the critical thinking and the problem solving. And I mean, there are some courses that absolutely privilege those skills. You know, I always say to people, if you want to do law, that's fantastic. Just know that you are highly unlikely to ever work in a law firm. But those skills of problem solving, critical thinking, reasoning, analytical skills are brilliant in many, many, many contexts. What about flipping the model? So we know from the United Kingdom, degree apprenticeships, you're 80% in the workplace. So you're not sort of tacking a bit of work onto your study, you're actually bringing study into your work. And we've got higher apprenticeships here in Australia. In neither country have they taken off in large numbers, but as an innovation, it strikes me as worth looking at. What are your thoughts on this? You know, I think back to this idea that we've had these two paths for, you know, an entire century. This is what we're trying to crack open. So in one way or other, multiple paths must be created. Another multiple path is a higher apprenticeship, but I'm also wondering what are the other multiple paths? There is a plethora of very, very, very high quality online learning that I think with AI will absolutely explode in the next few years. They talk about a $3 trillion business in online learning and education around the globe. And we're starting to see people who are in that space. Yes, it's clunky at the beginning and not everybody's catching on, but over time, and particularly if it gets introduced in a blended way into school and then into tertiary, we'll see a lot more people moving there. So just think of a landscape that has multiple pathways. That's the optimum. Some of them will be formal, some of them will be work integrated on the job, some of them will be informal, self-directed learning, some of them will be entrepreneurship. 
but let's try to privilege more than a binary kind of choose one or other. And by the way, we're still at that. I mean, the 320,000 year 12s who walk out of school this year in 2018 are still basically being forced to make a choice. Again, which is unbelievable <laughs> when you think about it. Well. When you think about it. Another factor that you pointed out in the new work reality was that young people need an optimistic mindset. Now, I'm not sure whether tertiary institutions on their own can engender a, an optimistic mindset. Can you expand a bit on this, please? Well, the research was really interesting. It said that if at 18, and it was very specific about 18, so as you're walking out the school gate, if at 18 you had a sense of resilience and a kind of optimistic mindset, then you would fare better. Of course, that intuitively makes sense to all of us, right? But to have an optimistic mindset and feel resilient at 18 is either because you are being liberated from school education and you're like <laughs> cheering, or it's the sum total of everything that's happened to you till then. So This is very important because, again, it speaks to what happens until you're 18. I think the idea of mindset, though, and in all our work, we've talked consistently about a new work mindset. We need a new mindset, whether it's employers, whether it's tertiary institutions, whether it's students. You can't just expect one of those groups to suddenly have a new mindset and everything's going to be okay. We all need to think very differently about what we're doing, what our expectations are, and what the pathway is to where, for what result. That is a different way of thinking because for the whole 20th century, it was pretty much laid out. Well, Jan, it's been fantastic talking to you. We are, as I said earlier, in furious agreement on many of these points. So thank you for coming to us and talking tertiary. Thank you. That was my conversation with the fascinating Jan Owen. Do send us your feedback, subscribe and rate us wherever you find your podcasts. You can also get in touch by email, talkingtertiary at kpmg.com.au or on Twitter, I'm at Stephen Parker ED. And you can also find out more about our thinking on the education sector at kpmg.com slash au slash education future. Thanks for listening and speak with you next time on Talking Tertiary.